week three of Sand and Stars. We're, we're using this as a, th- as a sort of a theme verse, as, as our verse for this whole story. We're centering around Abram and Sarah. This is the story. I will surely bless you, God says. Genesis 22, I'll surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as, here it is, the stars in the sky, the sands on the seashore, and your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. Abram had this kind of God dream, kind of dream I'm going to share with you next week. This, this dream of what could be, sand and stars kind of stuff, like God makes him a big, big promise of what could happen. And, but but, he, but, he, but he, he doesn't see it yet. God sort of challenges him. I want you to see what isn't there yet. And for the last couple of weeks, I've been challenging you to see what isn't there yet. The sand and stars kind of promise that God has for your life. And, and listen, Abraham's not special. He's not the only one that God gives dreams to or God assigns dreams to. All of us, you were created by God to see something that isn't there. I'll prove it to you. How many of you had an imaginary friend growing up? Let me see your hands. How many of you still have imaginary friends? There you are. <laughs> you got my, my kids right now, both of them, have imaginary friends. Don't you dare tell them any other way. They have imaginary friends. My little girl, I don't, she's not in service. I think she's next door. Yesterday we were at... Uh, we were serving with our uh, outreach team here uh, at a festival here in Bernie, and they had a bounce house, you know what I'm talking about, which are death traps for children, you know what I mean? And they're germ houses. I, I'm, a, I'm kind of a germaphobe a little bit. <laughs> so, But my kids were begging to go in there. My little girl carried around, she carries around a baby doll all the time, and she dresses her up. It's a different doll all the time. I don't know how she picks which child to love more. But either way, she picked this one uh, that yesterday, and so she dressed her all up and brought her uh, to Bernie Boo yesterday. And she wanted to go to the jump house. We go stand in line at the germ house, and uh, we 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 ask. They ask her seriously, though. They ask her, uh, "You got to take your shoes off, baby, before you can jump." She says, "Fine, no problem." She takes her shoes off, and then she waits and takes her shoes off her baby doll and sets them right beside hers so that the baby, oh, yeah, you bet. Don't you dare tell her anything different, everybody. Because that's her baby, and it's real. God gave you the ability to imagine things that aren't there. My little boy talks to himself. He gets that from his mom. He talks to himself. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He talk, he, he has, he's, he's four, and he's just starting to sort of explore that imagination. You think you have to teach that? You don't have to teach that. God gave you that. God gave you the ability to see things that aren't there yet. The the imagination that you have to to dream about stuff that isn't there. Children have no problem with dreaming. I I, I remember growing up, I had no problem looking in a mirror thinking I was as tall as Blake. Come on, somebody. Thinking I was six foot something. Thinking I was... When I was growing up, wrestling was real. You know what I mean? Not what they do on on Monday Night Raw now. That stuff isn't real. I grew up with Jake the Snake. Where y'all at on that? That's what I'm talking about. Ric Flair. Woo! That, yeah, that's exactly right. That's exa- if you don't know about that, you, you cannot go to heaven if you don't know The Undertaker. The Undertaker lives here. Did I hear that? The Undertaker lives around here. What, what's his Paul Bear, young <laughs> his, his handler. He, he lives around the area. I, I grew up watching wrestling, and I would watch wrestling with my dad on Saturday mornings. And then I'd go stand in front of the mirror in not a lot of clothes, and I would flex like, like this, and I would... I would, I would dream about being, I don't know why you're laughing that hard. I would dream about being what I wasn't and probably wasn't ever going to be. Because God gives you this imagination when you're a child. Nobody has a problem dreaming when they're children. When you stop dreaming, you kind of start dying on the inside. i got to be honest with you. 
There's something that dies on the inside of you when you start limiting the thing that God gave you to see things that aren't there yet. That, that I honestly believe the same thing that when the Bible talks about your measure of faith, I think it's imagination. I think every person's given a measure of faith or an imagination to see things that aren't there yet. To, to, to imagine what God could do, to dream about things. But the challenge is as you get older and life starts happening, you brush up against disappointment. And the more times you brush up against disappointment, you stop dreaming. And i I, I got to tell you today, listen close. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. When you stop dreaming, you stop living. When you stop dreaming, you start dying. And I've just decided I will not die until I'm dead. I'm going to live every day God's given me, seeing things that aren't there yet, dreaming for what God would have for my family and my marriage, and dreaming for this church about what God would do through us. Say amen to that, everybody. you you, you got to stop. When you stop dreaming, you just start dying on the inside. As a matter of fact, that's a biblical principle. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 says it like this. For we, underline this in your Bible, live by believing. You actually live by believing. You, 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 li- you have life in you by dreaming. The converse of that, when you stop dreaming, you start dying. As, as a child, write this down, as a child you live to dream. Man, I just, I, you know, you stand in front of the mirror and pretend you're somebody that you're not. and You live to dream. But as you age, as you get older, listen, we're going to have to start living by dreaming. We don't just live to dream. We actually stay alive. We live by dreaming. And, and, and my, my purpose in this message is to get this whole church dreaming again. Believing God again. Reaching for something again that isn't there. When we started City Hills, our very first our very first uh, uh, sermon series. As a matter of fact, I just I talked to somebody that where where'd you go, Oscar and Karina? I just saw you move around a little bit on me. Where'd you go? Where is it? here? I don't, yeah, they're, they're right there, right there. Stand up again, Oscar. Everybody, you can see everybody right there. Right, wave at me, Oscar and Karina, right there. Oscar and Karina Flores, business owners, fantastic people. We were standing at the library yesterday, and I looked at Oscar and I said, two and a half years ago, May of 2016. They walked into a little library and a little room that we had rented, and there was about 20 people in there, and we were talking about a church that didn't exist. And Oscar, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't know all of this was going to happen. You sure didn't know all of this was going to happen. But they signed up that day in May and said, yeah, we'll, we'll help start a church like that. And here they are two and a half years later, dreaming, still dreaming with us. We, we, we started the church with that first series that said there's more. There's more God wants to do with you. And then the first January, January 2017, I preached a message series called Dream Again. Called Dream Again. And listen, I'm calling this church to dream again. Again. I want you to continue that dream that God puts inside of you. Now, what would happen if we go all in together? What would happen if we, almost like launching again, what if we relaunched who we were? What if new people and new passion and renewed vision and a new passion to see people's lives transformed by Jesus Christ? I'm calling you, listen, I'm calling all of us to dream again, again. That God would do something through us that we can't start dying. we got to keep living and we only live by believing. When God puts a dream in your heart, listen close, It doesn't mean, though, that it's going to happen without opposition. The last two and a half years of this church haven't happened without opposition. I remember when we moved to this facility, and and, and we we started in elementary school right next door to here. And around May of that year, 
they, they came to us at the school and said, hey, we, you may have to move out this year. And we were like, we, we may? Yeah, you may have, we may be doing some, some remodeling this summer. We may have to, we don't know. And so you, you might want to start looking around. We were like, okay, we, we, maybe we will. When you're a portable church, you're a church that meets in a portable location, your location's super important. So we started looking around that day. I left that meeting and started looking. We had come to the theater over and over and asked and asked and contacted corporate and, and written letters, done everything we could to get this theater. And the answer was no every time, no, no, no every time. And I walked out of that meeting that day and said, I'm going to try again, again. Long story short, we had to move in June. If you're keeping uh, score, that's four weeks from the day they told me that we may have to move. Four weeks later, we moved into this movie theater after hearing no over and over and over again. God always has a plan, but it doesn't come without opposition. And I think some people think, man, if, if, if I really have a dream like you're telling me, if God really has a plan for my life, if there's really purpose inside of me, it ought to be smooth sailing. you got to read your Bible more. M- m- most of the time when God had a plan for somebody's life, it got harder, not easier. Anybody know that feels like you? It feels like me almost all the time. Sometimes I'm like, God, just slow down, okay? Don't, don't give me any more because if you keep giving me more, it keeps getting obstacles. But you're never going to have what God's realized to you without... Opposition in your life. And in times of opposition, listen close, there are times of opposition in your life I think most people drop the ball of faith. When when there's this promise they've heard from God that they believe for sand and stars, but there's opposition. I call them the danger zones. I think there's, there's you, everybody gets in the danger zone where you where it's, it's easy to give up. It's easy to just settle for less. It's easy to just go to God and go, okay, you win. I don't, I don't need anything else. And Abram and Sarah face these danger zones. I want to read it to you. When opposition comes after you know God's called you, you know you got a promise from God. Abram, I'm going to make your descendants as many as the stars in the sky and sand on the seashore. And then there's opposition. This sounds like this. Genesis 16. Now Sarai, who is eventually Sarah, God changed her name, and Abram, who became Abraham, had not been able to bear children for him. Sarah, Abraham's wife, Abram's wife had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. And Sarah said to Abram, this is a whole different marriage series that I'm going to do later on. I don't recommend this whatsoever. The Lord has prevented me from having children. She says to her husband, one night staring up into the tent when they're laying in bed and all the kids are asleep and you know, you just all, all the donkeys are down, everybody... Everybody's real quiet and you're just talking to one another. And, and it gets real quiet. How many of you husbands know that's when your wife says, can we talk about something? You know what I mean? Anybody? Just me? That's not just me. You know that's true. You're thinking you're just about, you know, can we talk about something? Sarah says, can we talk about this? The Lord's prevented me from having children. And then she has this crazy idea. Crazy, underline crazy in your notes. Go and sleep with my servant, Hagar. Perhaps you can have a child through her. Perhaps I can have children through her. I, I come up with a, with a crazy idea because there's opposition. It just isn't happening. I, 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 can't, I can't bear children. And, and, so, and so you run up against opposition and you, and you run into these danger zones. And I want to give you, the, I think, three of them. I think there's, there may be more, but let me give you three that I found. Write these down in your notes. The first zone you come to when you get in opposition is what I call the frozen zone. <laughs> the frozen zone. 
The frozen zones when everything's at a standstill, everything's frozen, and nothing visible is happening. The frozen zones where you get to where you look around and you think, I heard from God a promise, but nothing's happening. Everything just is frozen right there. The Bible says Sarah had not been able to bear children. The frozen zone. I don't see it happening. This is, this is where people become vulnerable and, and, and frustration starts setting in. I don't know what's happening right now. Nothing seems to be going on. You start thinking it's never going to happen. Sarah gets there in her mind. She says, okay, I heard from God the promise, but it's, 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 it looks like it's frozen in time. Nothing's going on. And, and, and you run up against opposition. And in your life, you may be in this zone where you feel like, I know God said, but I don't see. And I haven't seen. And I don't know when it's coming or why it's coming. I'm getting frustrated. I feel like God's freezing me out. Like I'm not hearing anything. He's not doing anything. Nothing's moving. i got to get something working. Write this down. We tend to underestimate what is happening when nothing is happening. We tend to underestimate what is happening when nothing is happening. We tend to underestimate what's happening when we look around and we don't see anything happening in our lives. We overestimate what we can accomplish in a week, but we underestimate what we can accomplish in a year. You know what I mean? People always think, man, I want it right now. I want it to happen right now, and it's not happening right now. And we underestimate that nothing must be going on because I can't see anything. It's kind of like me losing weight. I want to lose 15 pounds in one week. Come on, everybody. I don't want to do it for six months. I don't want to go to the gym for six months. I don't want to eat good for six months. I'm going to give you seven days. And after seven days... I better start, it better start working. I start thinking about my beach body sometime around the 1st of June. Come on, everybody. Like, I, just, I, got, I got time. Let's just get it in. And it doesn't work. And every June I'm disappointed because I didn't start thinking about it to the very end. We always want it right now. God doesn't work like you and I work. What God wants to do with us, it can happen immediately, but it could take some time. It could take some time. And just because you don't see it happening doesn't mean it's not happening. We tend to underestimate what's happening when nothing is happening. We tend to underestimate that God must not be working. Everything's frozen in time. Sarah goes to Abram and said, well, I can't have a kid. It doesn't seem to be happening. Let's make another plan. But God, listen to me, God is always working. God is always working, even when you don't see Him working. We tend to underestimate what's happening when nothing is happening. Jesus said it like this in John 5, 17. My Father is always working, and so am I. I love that verse. He said, you you don't have to worry about this. I'm always doing what you can't see. I'm working behind the scenes in your life. I'm opening doors. I'm ten steps ahead of you working when you don't see anything happening in your life. I'm working when you don't think I'm working. Don't underestimate what's happening when nothing is happening. We get in this frozen zone of thing. It's just not going to work out. Paul says it like this. Paul says in Galatians 1, he says, But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb. Now understand, Paul's working backwards in his life to the time he was in his mother's womb. He set me apart and called me in his mother's womb, by the way. You, you didn't get a calling when you were 10, 12, 15 years old, 20 years old, 30 years old. You were called and anointed by God before you were ever born, by the way. In your mother's womb, he called me by his grace. 
And then he was pleased to reveal his son to me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Paul said, listen, I was set apart from the time I was born. But then I had a bunch of stuff in my life I did wrong. I persecuted Christians, killed Christians, stood against them. Then God revealed Jesus to me and now it all all makes sense. But just because I didn't see it working doesn't mean God wasn't working. There may be things in your life you've been praying for, people you've been praying for. You never know what God is up to. Jesus said, I'm always working. My Father's always working. Even in that frozen zone when you feel like nothing's nothing's going on. There may be things in your life that God is doing that you don't know of. Do not give up hope. In the frozen zone, when you feel like there's nothing going on. But when you get there, like Sarah, you think, man, this isn't working. I'm not hearing anything. We're not getting anything. Then you move on to the next zone when you brush up against disappointment. Write this down. The God failed me zone. God must have failed me. It's not working. And so there are times in your life when you feel like, well, God must have, God messed up. Sarah says it like this. She says, I've been unable to have a child for you. Then the verse says, the Lord has prevented me from having children. She actually blamed God. God's failed me. When things don't go as planned, it's tempting in my life and probably in yours to point my finger at God and blame Him and say, this is your fault. This is the time, listen, this is the time in your life and disappointment when you know God can, you just don't know why He isn't doing it yet. You believe God can. You really do, but you just don't know why He hasn't. So you get your mind starts playing these crazy things where you think, well, God must have prevented me, Sarah says, from having a child. God must have failed me. Let me ask you, please be careful in this season. Be careful in this season because if, if you stay too long in this God-failed-me season, in this God-failed-me zone, then you undermine your confidence in God. You start under your mind starts it starts playing tricks on you. You'll get indifferent to God, thinking, "Well, God must have failed me. Something's wrong." Instead of leaning into God's grace, you pull back from God. It's always interesting to me, as a pastor, when I watch people in their lives when things don't work out, when they when they run up against trouble and hard times, and things are wrong in their life, they start pulling back from church. That's the season you got to lean in, everybody. That's not the season you pull back. That, that When you get in that zone where you feel like, I don't know why it hasn't happened yet, that's not when you pull back. That's when you lean into God's grace. But we don't, and we get angry. We say, God must have failed me. Sarah goes to Abram and says, in light of the fact that it isn't happening yet, and in light of the fact that God must have failed me, she enters the, the most dangerous zone. The third one, write this down. The I'll fix it zone. I'll fix it. I'm going to fix it. How many men, especially men, how many men are, I can fix that. Where are you at on that? Where are you at on, yeah, I, I, I can fix that. How many of you actually can? None of you. Don't. <laughs> no, you, you just think you can. Your wife knows you cannot. I'll fix it. I'll fix it. I'm a fixer. In our marriage, one of the things we've had to work on the last two decades, this is not a marriage series, I'm just confessing to you, is my propensity to try to fix everything. So late at night when the kids are asleep and we're staring at the, and she says, can we talk? Usually I think, well, I got a solution here. Just whatever, just give me the problem real quick. I probably have a solution and then we can both go to sleep. And I try to fix everything. Some stuff you just can't fix. But we get in this situation where we haven't, we haven't realized the promise that we know God gave us. We know God told us. We know God can. We, know, we, we believe that, but He hasn't yet. And we've gone from frozen to maybe God failed us. 
I'll take it into my own hands and I'll fix it. And Sarah says to Abram, go sleep with my servant. There'll be times in your life, listen, when you'll want to implement your own plan. When when you'll just take over the the, the reins of your life and you'll say, I don't know why God hasn't yet, but I guess I'll just, I, I got a plan, I'll fix this. God doesn't seem to be moving yet. Maybe he's failed me altogether. I got a plan. Abram, go sleep with Hagar. And listen, Abram... Goes along with it. Men, look at me right in the eyes. Do not do not look at your wife. Look at me in the eyes. If she comes up with a crazy plan, your answer is, no, baby, I would never, never, never. Terrible idea. Abram's like, really? Okay, I haven't even thought about that. <laughs> Hagar, yeah, she's all right. <laughs> There's not one recorded thing where Abram goes, no, Sarah, I couldn't. Abram goes, great idea. What are you doing tonight? They're both responsible because, listen close, because I think they're both discouraged. And what you do in discouragement is not who you are. And some of us have made mistakes in discouragement that don't define who we are. We've just gotten so much disappointment and discouragement in our life that you'll start trying to fix this, even stuff you know is wrong. You'll make decisions that you know are the wrong ones because you're so discouraged. And unfortunately, in this marriage, both partners are discouraged at the same time. Spouses, let me just tell you, let me, let me, kind of, let me take a turn here. And t- Do not underestimate the influence you have on your partner. Don't underestimate the influence that you have. When things get rough, what you say matters to your partner. And Sarah goes to Abram and says, I'm at the bottom, I'm at the lowest of my lows. Just go sleep with Hagar. And instead of Abram going, honey, God's going to work through. God's going to do this. Abram is just as discouraged and says, maybe you're right. Maybe we should fix this on our own. I, I remember I spent the first seven years of my ministry in youth ministry and student ministry. And I remember when we would take trips, uh, I had a gal on my youth staff. His name is Jaren. And we would stay up all night. We would, we would, have, we would stay up all night when you, when you take kids uh, in hotels uh, Come, come on, everybody. They'll come up with a Hagar plan. You know what I'm trying to say? You with me on that? <laughs> They'll come up with a Hagar plan. And, and, and I remember we'd stay up all night in the, in, in, in the, in, in the hallways of the hotel just, just uh, taking shifts, watching, making sure kids didn't leave their rooms. Sometimes in your darkest season, listen, you're going to have to take shifts. When one of you is down, the other one says, hey, I got this. I'll, I'll, I'll watch out for this. We, we're, we're not going to give up hope in the middle of this. We're not going to give in in the middle of this. And so, and so they did it. And, and so Abram and Hagar have a child. And, and there are long-term implications to their own plan. You, you need people around you that you can bounce your plan off of. It's why I want you to get in a group. Today we're halfway through a Connect Group semester. It's why I desperately want you to join the team. Matter of fact, next week you heard it on Church News. Brady talked about we have what we call fast tracks. So a couple of times of the year we take both steps of growth track. We put them into one week. Next week it's one week. If you've been kicking the tires thinking, I want to go to growth track, I don't know. It's one Sunday. You can get on the team next week. You say, why do you need that? Well, the first reason is, is at the movies is going to be huge. And we need more people to help us serve more guests that are going to come to Christ that week. And, 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 and during that series and serving kids and serving the lobbies and serve on the team everywhere. And, 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 and that's important. But the other reason is, is you need to get inside of a group, a team, a group of people that you can say, hey, is this a crazy idea? And they can go, hey, if you're low, I'll watch out for you. But Abram and Sarah both get low at the same time. 
And they devise a plan that has implications that we're still facing today. I, I, I don't know if you're, if, if you're aware, but the geopolitical unrest in the Middle East is all, every single bit of it stems from this decision in a low season. Ishmael, the child of Abram and Hagar, is the father of the Arab nations. And Isaac, the child, the promised child of Abram and Sarah, is the father of the Jewish people. And every single battle from that day until this one, and until the return of Christ, every battle between the Arab world and the nation of Israel stems from a decision in disappointment. When I know God promised me, but it hasn't come to pass yet. And you try to fix it on your own. God has a way. Listen, there's God's way and then there's our way. And God isn't promised to bless your way. He will bless His way. The reason I'm challenging you, listen. The reason I'm challenging you right here in the middle of this series. I've been talking about what God wants to do in you. I've been stretching you to believe for sand and stars. And I hear people talking about it. But I don't want you to go home talking about sand and stars. And when, and when it doesn't happen when you think it should, then you try to make it happen on your own. I, I, I want to I set your expectations that God can do this, not you. That God's in control. I, I want you to look at this church next week when I tell you about the vision that we have in this church and what God wants to do. I don't want you to think we're going to do anything. I want you to know we're going to go to God and let God fight our battles. I don't want you to get back in your family when you're praying about a business and starting and God hasn't opened the door. When you're praying for a lost loved one. When you're asking God to heal your marriage, heal a relationship, save a child. Reach into, reach into your world and fix what's wrong with you. That if, you, if it doesn't happen soon enough that you just take control and say, I didn't get my sand and stars this week so I'll just do it. I'm just warning you there are implications in the danger zone. It could last forever. In your disappointment, when you're discouraged, when you're down, you got to lean into trusting God. I'm, I, I'm challenging you to lean into God and to trusting Him. Galatians 6 says it like this, let's not get tired of doing what's good. And this is why, and this is the final thing I'll tell you. Because there is coming a right time. And at just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing. If we don't give up. At just the right time. We used to sing a song in the old church. You, you know, I grew up in church. That he's, but we used to call him an on-time God. Do you remember this one? Yeah. That, that he, he doesn't always come when I want him to. But he's never late. Never. Never. Even when I think he's late, he's not late. Because he, he stands outside of time and space. And he knows your life. Some of you are in the danger zone of disappointment and discouragement. Some of you in marriage, both of you are at a low point, And you may be making a decision today. that You would normally never make if you weren't so discouraged. Let's just move. Let's just give it all up. Let's just turn, let's just turn the keys back in. Let's just, let's just file for divorce. Let's just walk away. You may be making decisions right now that you wouldn't ever make normally if you weren't discouraged. Abram and Sarah would have never dreamed up Hagar had they not been discouraged. And I'm just encouraging you today, just because it hasn't happened yet, don't underestimate what's happening when nothing's happening. 
Abram sleeps with Hagar, has Ishmael. And then God does what God says He would do. And God will always do what He says He'll do. I'm trying to prevent you from having an Ishmael-Hagar moment. And to just stay strong. And to just keep believing. And to keep your faith in God. Not in your own ability. Not in you working something out. All the fixers in the room. This is not for you to fix. Your sand and stars promise is in God's hand. If God made you the promise, it's God's plan. That means it's God's money. That means it's God's time. That means it's God's building. That means it's God's people. That means it's God's employee. That means it's God's healing. That means it's God's answer. It means it's God's open door. There is nothing you can do. This is God's plan. Abram, just hang on. Isaac's coming. Don't make a decision in discouragement. Because when the time's right, just the right time, God's going to come through. Stand all over the house. Put your Bibles on the chair beside you. Nobody moving for about two minutes. I just want you to bow your heads. Matter of fact, if you came to church with somebody, a spouse, a loved one, a friend, why don't you take them by the hand? We don't normally do that, but if you're not comfortable with that, maybe you can put your arm around his shoulder. If you don't know him, I'd encourage you not to touch him. Come on. <laughs> bow your heads. Now, Father, I pray for people that are in discouragement. Pray for people who haven't seen the promise that they know that you've given them. I pray for people who feel like it's just not happening. They're frozen. It's just, I don't know what's going on. It doesn't seem like anything's going on. God, don't let people get discouraged and underestimate what's happening when nothing's happening. God, I pray for people who feel like it hasn't happened in so long that maybe it's never going to. Maybe God's just failed me. Maybe I heard Him wrong. Maybe He said something that I didn't, I, I don't know. Maybe God just doesn't come through for me like He does everybody else. I pray for people in discouragement, disappointment. I pray for people who get to the worst possible place in a discouraged moment of I'll just fix it, I'll take care of it, I'll fix it myself. I'll make a decision when I don't really know all the answers. I'll just, hey, here, here, let's just do this. This will work. Just on the other side of that is the promise. I pray for discouraged people, disappointed people, couples who believe God for a child. I'm speaking to somebody right now. You've been praying for a child. In Jesus' name, you will have a baby. I'm praying for people right now who have prayed about starting a business and you've, you've schemed and plotted and planned for years and years and years and it's just not happening. In Jesus' name, it's just on the other side. Do not give up. I'm, I'm praying for people who've prayed for a spouse, a loved one, a child who's lost, a, a husband, a, a father who's, who's, who's lost, a, a grandparents who are aging and still haven't given their hearts to Christ. Don't give up. Don't give up. God's working even when you don't see Him working. I pray for married couples who have fought through counselors after counselors and books after books and, and retreats after retreats and you just can't seem to get it right. Maybe we, should just, maybe we should just give up and walk away. Don't you dare. Just hang on. If God promised us sand and stars, He is faithful. 
He's never failed you. And he never will.